Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Katherine Morehouse. In November, Republicans in Virginia have a shot at taking full control of the state legislature for the first time in a decade. And a GOP sweep would set the stage for a broader rollback of Virginia's climate policies, which started when Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin took office nearly two years ago. Broadly, the race has grabbed the attention of the White House, and it could set the tone for other state elections in 2024. So today, Scott Waldman from Politico's e News on why climate is on the line in the upcoming Virginia election. It's Friday, October 6th. So on November 7th, every single seat in the 140-member state General Assembly is going to be up. Obviously, Glenn Youngkin, the governor, is a Republican. He is in control of the state. And right now, there's uh, just a small majority in the state Senate. It's 22 to 18 in favor of Democrats. And they've been able to block some of his policies, uh, certainly fight against some of his efforts to roll back climate policies. But what could happen next month is that basically Republicans could have a trifecta, which would allow Yunkin to just sort of move forward with more aggressive plan. And it's not exactly clear all of what he would go after. But, you know, we have to take a step back at this moment and look at where Yunkin is. He's being talked about by some Republicans, more like wish casting that he's going to run in the 2024 election. But more likely, he's going to be a candidate in 2028 and he's going to need some bona fide conservative credentials to run on. So he really has every motivating factor to sort of pick up a more conservative agenda if he gets a trifecta where he'll actually be able to pass stuff into law basically on November 7th. That could happen or Democrats could block him. Interesting. And you mentioned that Youngkin has already rolled back some of Virginia's climate policies since he's taken office. Can you walk us through what he's done so far that's notable? Sure. So one of the main things he's trying to do right now, probably the biggest thing, is to withdraw from the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which is sort of multiple states on the East Coast that have joined together to pass basically a cap-and-trade program And in Virginia, that program would cut emissions, I think, by about a third by 2030. So Virginia was on track to do that. Youngkin is trying to withdraw the state from that plan. He's not able to do so, Democrats argue. He can't just use his executive authority to withdraw. They they argue that he has to go through the state house, and they've been able to slow it down there. But Youngkin believes he has a different legal argument, which is that he can withdraw. So that's probably the biggest climate-related battle that's happening right now. He also turned down a manufacturing facility for Ford with EVs and batteries earlier this year. He said he did it because he didn't want Chinese government, who was a partner, Chinese company was a partner in this venture, and he didn't want them to use it as a, as he says, a Trojan horse to get into the state. Now, a lot of Republicans right now are sort of running on anti-EV positions, obviously in the presidential election, in the primary there and elsewhere. So those are the things he's done thus far. But there's a lot at stake. You know, Virginia has sort of tremendous potential for wind energy. Youngkin hasn't really touched that yet. 
industry is just taking off in the state. But if he wants, if he wants to sort of restrain that, if the governor's not fully on board with the wind industry and, and looking at potential state incentives and asking the federal government for more incentives to keep it growing, he could also sort of stop that in its tracks just as it's getting going in Virginia. And you're also reporting that this election has actually grabbed the attention of the White House. How has the administration gotten involved and why are they making Virginia a priority? So for a long time, the DNC just was not contributing a lot of money, if any, to state races. Biden visited the state last week in northern Virginia, and he mentioned that for the first time, he said it's been a mistake that politicians like him on the national level have focused on the federal legislature rather than the state legislature, since that's where a lot of laws get made and a lot of laws that get passed in states eventually bubble their way up to become, they set a national precedent eventually. So Biden has pushed the DNC to contribute about $1.5 million into the state, which, you know, in terms of federal elections doesn't seem like a lot, but for the DNC to pump that money into a state house election is sort of unprecedented. They haven't done that a lot. That's a big boost. And it's also a reaction to Glenn Youngkin, who is one of the most popular governors in the country. He's drawn all kinds of money, a lot of outside money from the state into his super PAC. So Democrats are worried about that. They need to counter it. Some environmental groups are also jumping in. The League of Conservation Voters in Virginia just announced its biggest investment in the state legislature ever. And the race is there. They're putting in $2 million. So Democrats are definitely starting to dump money into this race in these final weeks. Clearly, they're nervous. Interesting. You also noted that what happens in Virginia could be a bellwether of other state elections in 2024. Could you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So basically, it's, you know, this is an off year election for most of the country. You know, a lot of people are clearly focused on the presidential election as well as Senate and House elections in next year. But Virginia's is interesting and it's it's sort of had this history of giving a preview of the next year's elections. Sort of what happens in Virginia in the off-year election gives an indication of where the country's headed. Right now, Yunkin got elected in 2021. It was, you know, a year after Biden had taken office. It showed that there was a growing anger at Democrats and the mood, the national mood was starting to shift. Clearly, going into 2022, midterm elections, that's exactly what we saw, where Republicans had a good night, though not as good as they had hoped it to be. So basically, people are going to be watching this closely. There's going to be all kinds of punditry around this saying what just happened, you know, in this state is going to show us what's going to happen a year from now. Virginia is an interesting state. It's a purple state. Democrats sort of thought they had the state on lockdown. Yunkin proved that they didn't. And also, Virginia, like a lot of other states, abortion is on the ballot, too. Democrats are running on that. They're hoping they can repeat the successes that they had elsewhere on abortion rights. And if they don't, if Young can ha- gets the trifecta, it could signal that that issue in particular is sort of weakening as a political potent force. Also, on Thursday, the White House said that Willie Phillips remains, quote, acting chair of FERC, contradicting a recent statement from the agency and a document signed by President Joe Biden earlier this year that listed him as chair of the commission. It turns out the acting designation is more optics than anything else, since an acting chair has no legal distinction and no bearing on Phillips' authority to lead the commission and set the agency's agenda. Some FERC watchers speculate that the White House is only insisting on the acting title to boost their odds of getting their preferred candidate through Senator Joe Manchin, who leads the Energy and Natural Resources Committee and is a fan of Phillips. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Nermal Malaykel is the podcast producer. Kara Tabor and Alex Keeney edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is working to responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.